This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. It is February 11th, 2021. And for me, it is super rainy and overcast. Threats of some snow flurries here in Central Texas. Kind of crazy, I know, since we had some a few weeks ago. All I know is my blueberry plants are going to be super happy um, because they do love that cold weather. So I'm very much uh, excited about that. And something else, if you don't know, it's International Day of Women and Girls in Science, but it's also National Inventors Day. So if you don't know um, the reasons that you have a really cool game to play on family game night, it's because a woman created it way back in 1904, um, and it was originally called the Landlord's Game, but we call it Monopoly, Um, and she had the patent made. There's also a woman who created the dishwasher in the 1800s, and then, of course, Hedy Lamarr did amazing things with radar. Um, We have Grace Hopper, who uh, invented computer software. We have, to um, mention Black History Month, we also have a woman who created a better home Home security system, Marie Van Britten Brown. We also have rock and roll. And if you don't know this, Sister Rosetta Tharp was one of the first people that mixed gospel music with like a cool blues riff and traditional. And she just made it so cool. And there's there is a video of her, and it's like one of the very few. Um, so if you get a chance, look it up. Her name is Sister Rosetta Tharp. Um, Super cool. And then all sorts of great inventions by women um, all over the place. So just do a quick search and look it up. And then if your girls really love science, encourage them to keep taking science classes, learning about science, because there's all sorts of cool stuff that they could do, including become a really cool writer, um, which is one of those ladies we're talking to today is Cherie Gladden. She's a native of New Mexico. She's lived in Colorado, and um, she has two kids and 17 cousins close by where they live. They also She loves having the neighborhood kids over to play and loves having her house being the unofficial summer and after-school hangout spot. And when she's not writing, she's always out and about, looking for cool stuff, and she makes these really cool bookmark buddies, which we'll talk about in a minute. She has 14 different projects in prints, um, and she has a plethora of characters to read about. So her most recent release is a young retail, is a young adult retelling of Jane Austen's Persuasion called What Had to Be Done and is out now. And you can find her at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, and Amazon. Welcome to the show, uh, Del Cherie Gladden. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. So I mentioned the science stuff because I was going through your Instagram page and I saw some amazingly cool books that I love. And I bet, I mean, I was a big Nancy Drew reader as a kid too, but you having these books on your page um, were things like from H.G. Wells and Jules Verne and Tolkien and all that stuff. Were those your go-to books or were those, uh, things that you just kind of organically discovered in the library? It was uh, probably, I, I, I always enjoyed reading fantasy growing up. And mm-hmm. as I got a little older, kind of into the middle school, high school age, where I could kind of understand 
some of those more complex books was when I got more mm-hmm. into um, like H.G. Wells and um, 1984 was one of the first classic books that I read that I was really just like, wow, like, this is amazing. <laughs> and right. it really like, made me start thinking about things and, you know, what societies could be like if, you know, if it took like a drastically different turn. And so I kind of got into reading more of those types of books that are like classics, but they're not really ones that you get told to read in school. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really wish those were the books that more kids were reading in school. Um, Personally, I had to read Great Expectations as a freshman. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand the majority of it at that age. (laughs) Right. I, I did not enjoy it. I was just like, oh, my gosh, I've got to get through this so I can write a paper about it. And, you know, there, there's so many, like, really neat classic books that you can learn a lot from, even in those middle school, high school years that yeah, a lot I of kids think, just yeah. don't get exposed to. Right, because I think that the big thing is people are worried that it's going to be too convoluted or complicated. And and I, what I did when the kids were little, because I had these wonderful, um, you know, not to be totally, you know, funny about it, great expectations about them reading these classics, but I got the um, children's versions of them. And they aren't like the mm-hmm. picture books. I mean, they're basically the the core storyline watered down. You don't have all the details of it. Um, there's a few mm-hmm. different companies that have them and you can find them you know pretty much anywhere some of them are free for kindle downloads um but Mm -hmm. yeah to have that kind of imagination and be thinking about like hg wells the time machine or jules verne um you know Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea and all those kind of things it's it's this whole take yourself out of this um where you are and just kind of escape for a little while and i think that that is so important to foster that imagination especially mm-hmm. when we're trying to figure out where we fit a lot of times at the you know in that middle grade into high school age ranges um yeah and we're we're reading books like uh, i was you mentioned great expectations my freshman year i read um let's see romeo and juliet death be not proud tale of two cities um uh, brave new world I mean, all of a sudden, my mom was like, another book about death? Oh, my, why are they making you read all these books about <laughs> death? Like, you're all hormonal enough. You're like, why? Or, you know, read something fun. Um, so, yeah, I think people are, you know, at the schools I get what they're trying to do, but then again, it's like it's okay to read something amazing like, you know, a giant squid under mm-hmm. the sea attacking a submarine. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> And there is, there's just, there's so much to learn from those, even, you know, if if someone's not interested in, in writing per se, or isn't a big reader, just is that you get from around the world, different concepts. Um, I read like the the Island of Dr. Moreau um, recently, and it was interesting, this whole concept of vivisection of turning humans into something else through like introducing blood from other creatures and, mm-hmm. and like it, you know, in today's world with the science that we have, it's like, well, that's not how that would work. <laughs> like, 
Right. You know, he sure. Just, like mix some blood and expect to like turn into, you know, a peacock or whatever. But like, it was legitimately this field of science that was going on around that time that people were very like worked up about and had strong opinions on it, which kind of seems a little almost like silly now. Cause you're just like, you know, well, that's not even like scientifically possible. <laughs> what they're talking Right. About. Right. But they feared that it was. And that's where some of those concepts from Island of Dr. Moreau came from was actual issues that were going on in that time period. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he turns it into this outlandish kind of fictional story, but at the same time, it really makes you stop and think like, you know, well, what are the boundaries of society, of science? Um, you know, what makes people human and separates them from animals? Like it gets all these thoughts going, even though, you know, as science progressed, it was like, well, obviously, you know, that's not really, you can't just reshape a living right. organism into something else by, you know, cutting pieces <laughs> And reorganize right. things, um, but the concepts that are there are so intriguing, and like really make people think. And it's interesting to see how my kids, who are both in high school right now, the books that they're being asked to read, and they're either like popular mass, like mass um, fiction, <laughs> and then like paired with a classic. Right. And, but it's like stuff that I'm like, well, why are you reading that? Why aren't you reading something that, that gets you thinking a little bit more? And like, it's nice that they give them both options, but yeah, sometimes the choices that, of the required reading, I'm just like, hmm, well, that was an interesting choice. Um, why right. not Brave New World or, you know, something. Right. Well, I think too that it's, it's also, it's it's a, a multi-leveled instruction because, you know, we could read mm-hmm. East of Eden by Steinbeck or, you know, Grapes of Wrath, and there's things going on at that time that he based it on. You know, you always have the, the Dust Bowl and all these yeah. people are leaving. And, I mean, it's like if you don't understand that part of history, you're, the book's going to be like, ah, oh, this is the most boring thing ever. What's wrong with these people? Um <laughs> So it's, it's, I think it's a multi-level thing. I know that there's some schools that will, like the teachers, coordinate the lessons. So, okay, so oh, we're going to talk about the Da Vinci, and then in the history class we're going to talk about the Renaissance and why all this is important. And then we're then the English teacher's like, okay, well, then I can pick these books that were going on at that time. And then you know, it's just like mm-hmm. it all complements. So it all makes more sense. Um, and it's really absor- cool I guess it's... Right, and so it's absorbed more. So it's not like you're going to re- talk about um, Texas history here, but then you're reading about Martin Luther King, which you should read. You know, you should know these things. In Texas, you know, I feel like you should know because Texas is so much about its history, and you at least want to know what people are talking about. Um, and, of course, mm-hmm. Martin Luther King because of his um, uh, civil rights movements and the people around him, the people he worked with, even the people he admired. Um, to help him with that, and so it's it's an, it should be an all inclusive, and you know it the way or a lot of it's set up is so choppy. So I think that sometimes why kids mm-hmm. are disinterested. Now I'm very much armchair quarterbacking this. So, um, but I have <laughs> I'd never seen 
um, my nephew went to a school that did that. And it's like they would compliment. They'd all get together and coordinate. And I was like, man, I have never heard about that before, but that just sounds like it would, it would, be, it would be really cool. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Really beneficial to the student. Right. Really so it's like, oh, we just talked about that in that other class. You know, it's like how many times do you have to hear something to remember it? I think it's like seven, something, five or seven. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what the retention is, but it sounds like a really cool format. So, you know. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. So when I was going to school, I never saw any of the girls reading Tolkien. Did, were you reading Tolkien in um, middle school, or was this something you found in high school or beyond, or when when did you find him? Yeah, that well, I read um, The Hobbit in mm-hmm. high school, and I think I okay. started reading like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And at that point, I was kind of like, oh, this is a little dry, a little more challenging. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> The Hobbit <laughs> has a lot more adventure and it's fun. And then you go to the Lord of the Rings, and you're like, where's where's the exciting part it's a little <laughs> slower and I think I didn't have as much patience then as a reader so I didn't go back and read um the Lord of the Rings trilogy until I was older but okay. but I was you know gobbling up all kinds of fantasy at that time like basically anything I could find at the library <laughs> yeah I'd, you know get stacks of books every time we went and just burn through them in a couple of weeks and, and we'd be back at the library again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That summer reading program where you could like fill your page and see how many books you could read in a summer. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I I think we had, that was like, we, I think we went at least twice a week sometimes. I think part of it was because we were in Houston. <laughs> it was so stinking hot. And so it's like, just go to the mm-hmm. library and sit in the cool. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I think my mom could actually like sit and read something without us, you know, saying something like needing something really <laughs> super important. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but course. yeah, we loved it. Yeah, I think I read every book, and it doesn't say much because I think there's like four um, books about anything crypto, uh, crypto. Um, oh, what is the word? Um, cryptobiology. So anything about. Mm. Bigfoot and Loch Ness and, and Yeti and it's just like the same books over and over um, and I was like I'm sure I'll find something there's a clue in here somewhere um, but as of yet I have not discovered what those are a uh, little sad about that uh, but with all this reading when did you decide I mean what was the catalyst that made you want to write a book it was really just I, I think I kind of hit a point where our our library at the time wasn't that big and it was okay like I ran out of stuff to read <laughs> oh <laughs> and it was like all right well I'm gonna you know take all the cool things that I like from these series and I'm gonna make my own thing and, and you know of course those first few tries are <laughs> rambling messes <laughs> right probably a lot of uh too much borrowing from things I had read. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to cram like everything I love in one story. It's like... <laughs> yeah, right. It's just like a mess. And you look back on it and you're like, oh, my gosh, so crazy. But, yeah, it was just like, well, if, if you know, if I love these types of books so much and I'm kind of I've finished all the series at the library, it's like, you know, yeah, like now I'm going to try to write my own. And Okay. Um, you know, it was just 
starting off with some of those more like fantasy elements of things that like I was learning about in school that I thought were really interesting. Um, the first book I published and actually like completed um, was about the Aztec mythology and uh-huh. um, put into a more modern time where the, the character era keeps having these these dreams, these progressive dreams and of a young woman on her way up the temple to be sacrificed. And so she's kind of trying to figure out what these dreams mean and learning about the culture which she is like descended from. And it was something that we had been covering in, I think it was my freshman uh, history class. Okay. And just something about it, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is so cool. I want to learn more about it. And, you know, dug out some books from the library and started the story. And, and the first draft was just written in this, like, little spiral notebook that I carried around for right. weeks. <laughs> and, you know, and that ended up going through, like, three probably complete rewrites um, and over, like, ten years in between other stuff of, you know, getting married, having kids, going back to back and forth to it before it was finally like, okay, like this is a real comprehensive, complete story now. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long process for that first book. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and then I think that, um, I think the hardest book is actually the second because you've written the first book. Nobody knows you're around. Nobody knows you exist, really, in big, grand scale. Mm. You get that first book written. You get a few good reviews. And you're like, oh. And then people are like, so, where's the next one? And it's like, um. Uh, because you have to really speed it up for that second book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it, does, it just adds that, like, pressure on mm-hmm. on what you're doing. Like, it's got to be just as good or better and that always is something that gets me, especially like finishing a series, that last book in the series. I'm like, I've got to wrap everything up. I don't want to, you know, disappoint with the ending. That one, that's always the hardest book for me to write is the last book in anything. Just, I I hate reading something or watching a movie and finishing it and just being like, ah, like what? (laughs) Wait, what about those other four minor things that they never finished? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I just I don't want to write a series like Lost where you're just like, what the heck just happened here? <laughs> I invested four years and this is where we are? No. Um, yeah. Not okay. Oh <laughs> this is not okay. Oh. So what was your mm. first, what was the name of your first series? Um, this is the Escaping Fate series. And it was originally just meant to be one book was kind of like I finally finished something here we go now I'm moving on Um, right and I ended up going back and doing a second book and adding to the series and I have a third book planned but I have not gotten to it yet it's kind of one that's on the back burner like yeah when I run about other stuff to do I'll go back to that one (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, you have a lot of stuff in progress. And I mean, and you have a ton of projects. How do you juggle the mindset for each one? I mean, do you write 
each book separately? Do you say, okay, in the morning I'm going to write about this, in the afternoon I'm going to write about this? How does that work for you? I usually will kind of pick whichever one, like, I'm feeling most in the right bad space for, and I'll work on that project until I get stuck or distracted or (laughs) until I hit a point where I'm just like, ugh, like, I need a break from this. Like, this isn't, I'm not in that good frame of mind anymore. And then I'll switch to a different project and work on that till I hit that same point. Okay. So I kind of just bounce between projects, whichever one is like making the most sense and speaking to me the most in that moment. And then just kind of move between them. And usually by the time back to a project that like subconscious mind or whatever is going on there has kind of worked through whatever stopped me in the first place. And then I can get back into it and make some more progress. And it's probably not the most efficient way to work through projects. (laughs) Well, I mean, everyone's got their their methods. Yeah, your methodology. Um, How many books do you write a year? Um, Well, I used to write more. I haven't written as much in the last couple of years because I went back to work almost full time and Mm -hmm. just things have been crazy. Um, I used to be able to do like four to five books a year. Um, Okay. In the last few years, it's been more like one or two. <laughs> okay. It's been slow going, and I'm working on my master's degree right now, so that's kind of taken up a lot of extra time. I'm and headspace, of, I'm sure. Yeah, kind of just putting <laughs> putting things on the back burner to get through that, and then I'll have a little more time eventually. <laughs> right, right. How long do you have left for your master's? I should be done in December. Oh, so, wonderful. One more year. I'm getting there. Yeah. Well, I mean, just a step forward every day. Just take, keep taking the steps. So tell me, yeah. About your, yeah, tell me about your newest release, your most recent release, what had to be done. Yeah, so this is um, it's an Austin retelling, which is not something I would normally do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I it's kind of outside of my normal wheelhouse of writing. Um, but it was one that I I think it was a book club with my sister in laws that we had read Pride and Prejudice and then I made everybody read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. <laughs> which I don't think everybody liked, but it was a funny comparison. Right. (laughs) Back to back. But I actually enjoyed both versions. And it was like, I I really hadn't ever read any Jane Austen, surprisingly enough. So I was like, well, let me see what else she wrote that I am missing out on. And I ended up picking up a copy of Persuasion, and I enjoyed that one even more than Pride and Prejudice. I really liked just the concept of the story of having made some mistake, you know, earlier in your life, and then it just kind of continues to haunt you. And, yeah. always, you know, always coming up in your thoughts, thinking, like, what could I have done differently? What What would I do, you know, if I was in that situation again? And it was one that just kind of clicked with me. It was like, you know, this is something that's still very relevant today. 
Yeah. And what would that look like if I put it in a more modern setting? And it just made more sense to me at the time to put that in with teenage characters who mm-hmm. often, you know, do something in the moment and then later look back on it and just be like, oh, my gosh, like, what was I doing? <laughs> right. Not that adults don't do that, too, but, um, you know, I think that feels a lot more, I guess, just big when you're a teenager. And so I put oh, it in yeah, a wide setting. Yeah, you know, it just seems like every little thing's the end of the world at that age. And mm-hmm. so I, you know, put everybody those things character concepts into a modern setting set in New Mexico and just this girl, you know, dealing with the loss of her mom and her dad kind of just falls apart and checks out a little bit after their mom dies and which is part of what leads to her making this decision that causes her to lose her best friend. And then a few years later when she is confronted with him again, trying to just muddle through that whole experience. Like, how do I handle this? Like, I don't know what to do. Um, You know, trying to rely on her friends, trying to make those amends without actually having to, you know, get involved in the confrontation that it's going to take to really explain things. You know, just kind of all those tactics that we all experience of wanting to fix something but not knowing how and making a mess of it <laughs> until sure. finally things, you know, kind of come together and just like, okay, like we got to work this out. Cause I just can't, you know, I can't keep dealing with this. I can't live with it anymore. And, you know, so it's just kind of that process of working through those challenging life moments that I think all of us face and, mess up probably a lot of the time until you can finally just understand what what the other person went through and how to come to terms with that and make those amends. Yeah, it's it's it definitely a fun, fun one to work through. But yeah, it was sure. it was challenging at times because it was, you know, a lot different and in, in some ways I stayed close to the the key points of persuasion and then in others, you know, I diverged off whenever just Mm -hmm. felt like that was the story I needed, needed to go. Right. Well, I think too, that we all look back and go, gosh, if I could go back and tell my, um, you know, 12 year old self or sub 15 year old self or 20 year old self or whatever age you'd want to pick, Mm -hmm. um, these things. And I, I was, my husband and I were talking about that the other day. It was one of those, Hey, you know, if you could go back and it's kind of just filling the, Based conversations, and I said, you know, I don't know if I would have listened because I remember me very well at that age, and I'm like, hmm, I don't know, you know, and and it maybe or I may have thought, oh, that's interesting. Well, what if I did this instead? It's like, no, that's what I'm saying. Don't do that. <laughs> um, that yeah. is just as that's just as dumb. So, um, but yeah, I think everything's everything's so emotionally charged for multi-layered reasons at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, to try and make that decision and navigate really heavy emotions is hard. And, yeah. and let's say a kid is really good at it. Um, 
are they able to connect with kids their age who are really not? You know, it's just that balance mm-hmm. too. Uh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it's 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 a really awkward age. It's a great age, um, <laughs> but it's a it's an awkward age. It is. Mm-hmm. Even the kids who really seem to have it together, you know, they're definitely days yeah. that you just they just fall apart. And um, you know, I've seen I've seen my older two do that, and they just everything's overwhelming, and it just like they just fall apart. And I yeah. I just have to sit there and just nod because sometimes it's that they just need to the decompression of it all, mm-hmm. and then they yeah. just they're just get better. Everything out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I I can handle it all because I'm mature and I can handle everything and I, you know and it's like, but you're not, <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, you will get it there all at right. some point. <laughs> yeah, but I think as parents, we have to remember that that was us years ago, and so mm-hmm. we have to be that mindful of okay, yeah, I did this, so I've got to just remember that it's it's just listening sometimes and breathing through it. Sometimes I add something to my coffee while I decompress. Um, you know, I won't <laughs> lie. Um, because mm-hmm. it's just it's like I'm just going to nod and let them just vent about everything. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it would be kind of a, um, a harder time to write about, especially with persuasion and you're trying to fix something and, and setting it there. So, yeah, I could see it um, being hard. But also I think when we're trying to write these flawed characters, it's almost that challenge of not making them fix things too quickly. Like you have to drag them through mm-hmm. the mud for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, yeah. So how long do you drag them through the mud? That's the question, I guess. <laughs> exactly. And that was, that was a challenge in writing. This one was like, you know, not letting things resolve too easily, but not taking it to the level of it just, being like, okay, and now what? Like, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think what kind of helped me settle on that right balance was just trying to get, you know, the main character, Anna, to get to the point where she could put herself in his shoes mm-hmm. and understand, like, why it hurt him as much as it did. And also to understand herself, uh, yeah. give give a little bit of forgiveness to herself of, you know, what she was dealing with at the time. Her mom had just died. Her dad was kind of losing it. Her older sister is kind of a terror and pressured her into kind of abandoning this friend. And she really had to come to that point of being like, okay, I'm – I'm not this like horrible, vile person. Mm-hmm. I made a mistake, but I can do my best to fix it. And then she had to learn how to like let go of that herself before she could really ask him to forgive her and to start moving forward. So it was that really that dual understanding for her of understanding what she has what pain she had caused him more fully Mm -hmm. and then understanding herself and being able to accept like, yeah, it was was maybe a bad decision, but it wasn't like out of 
meanness or with the purpose of being cruel. Um, right. And and that's a hard thing, especially at that age, to really start to understand, you know, yourself and other people and that effect that you have on other people. Um, sure. You know, when you're when you're a teenager, you're so inwardly focused. <laughs> Everything's yeah. about you. You're the center of the universe, and and you know, coming to that realization that you're you're not. Yeah. The end all be all. Yeah. You've got to step outside of yourself. That's that's a tough place to get to. <laughs> it is. And it's that self accountability too. You know, it's it's uh, mm-hmm. and and you know, we have all seen it with ourselves and with our kids. It's it's that um yeah, I stole the cookies, but so and so said it was okay. It's like, no, your choice was to steal it. So own that mm-hmm. choice. And that's you know, yeah. that's hard to I mean, there's plenty of adults that won't even do it. So, um, (laughs) and and I'll tell my kids, it's like, I can show you examples right now on TV and everything else about people not taking accountability for stuff. And I don't want that Mm -hmm. to be you. Um, They made a choice. You know, you make a choice, so you own what you do. And that's, and that is, you know, definitely in high school. And I'd say anywhere from Mm -hmm. like age, from whenever puberty hits you to 25, even. Yeah. Um, it's okay, that that's a great thing period. about, yeah. Well, and like some of the things that I love about writing and just fiction in general, um, you know, books or movies, is that you can experience some mm-hmm. of those difficult interactions and see how they play out and learn from them without it having to be you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doing yeah. all you yeah. know the going through that hard process you can you know and sometimes you do just have to go through it yourself but the more perspectives you can get especially in those like early formative years I think the better compassion and empathy and understanding you can develop Mm -hmm. over time so you know maybe you're not making all of those same mistakes or getting into all of those crazy situations you can, you know, just learn a little bit more about the world and about people through these fictional stories. And, you know, I think it really does just broaden your experience and thinking. And I think that's just a a really neat experience to have, whether, whether it's through reading or writing or, you know, making movies or, you know, any of those creative pursuits. It's just gaining that, that broader perspective of reality and of life and that's something that has always drawn me to reading and writing is just learning more about the world and about the people in it right and and the the escapism I think sometimes also gives us a moment to step back and say okay Mm -hmm. so I'm just gonna you know whatever it is I'm you know gonna watch this movie um and I'm, it's like if you took a Pixar movie, but now I know when I go to Pixar movies, I'm going to learn something ultimately anyway, um, and I'm going to cry mm-hmm. at least three times. But, I mean, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's the beauty of the storytelling. And so, yes, it's animated, and yes, you know, they do all this crazy stuff, and it's fun, but it's telling you something. Um, mm-hmm. And so through the escapism, you can step back and say, oh, wow. And so for those particular movies, I know I come back feeling almost – revived I guess um Mm -hmm. and it just 
some you know some hit you more than others but it's yeah it's i think the storytelling can definitely give us that different perspective in a way that we don't feel like we're being lectured you know it's mm-hmm. almost like it just kind of seeps in through our our pores um yeah. and we're like oh you know. okay <laughs> a little yeah, osmosis just, you know, going on seeing, uh, yeah <laughs> that that dawning realization of certain things and I think just humans in general, like, we learn better that way than just being like, you know, well, this is how it is, you know, learn this, memorize this, tuck it away somewhere. It's like, oh, random fact or, (laughs) yeah, sure, I'll, you know, store it somewhere. But when you connect with something, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think just those, like, emotional connections you make, those stick with you, whether it's, you know, actual real life experiences or that connection that you have with a character mm-hmm. or a piece of music or a piece of art that that sticks with you because it's an experience that you had rather than just something you were told. Yes. Yeah. It just yeah, it's it's um it's just fun to see and it's also fun to see and I'm sure you've had it which which characters have people connected with the most, like, and in, in that surprised you? I think one of the ones um, in one of my series, uh, someone, someone wicked this way comes, um, it's three siblings who all kind of have these weird powers and, like, emotional vampirism for lack of a better word um they when other people are suffering like they have these reactions to it they they don't understand and the oldest sibling basically was driven mad by by these abilities and and kind of driven away from his family and just kind of broke at some point and he was a really interesting character to write, but a lot of readers really responded to him too. And he was kind of in the first book, like just more like this part of their backstory. Okay. The two younger siblings. And as that series went on, he became more and more of a part of it. And his character became like really integral to the story, which I wasn't expecting either. He just kind of worked his way in there as I was writing. Um, <laughs> But a lot of readers did. They really connected with him of just like that that breaking point that we reach sometime of just like, right. it is too much. I can't deal with any of this. You know, something just snaps and you shut down and it's just like, nope, nope, I'm done. <laughs> yep, I'm done. And That's you know, it. It not- this like, yeah, mental and emotional break where he just could not deal with what he was going through anymore and then watching him try to come back from that break and help the rest of his family it it was this I think transformation that people really connected with that surprised me um, how much people enjoyed him and looked forward to his chapters yeah, I think right. it was just something on a on an emotional level that I guess a lot of readers were just like, yeah, like I've been there or I've been close to that point or they've 
been through that with someone else that they're close with that I guess, is, you know, really just struck a chord with readers mm-hmm. more than I had anticipated, which was really cool to see. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's, and the, the, it's so cool to see a reader come up to you and go, oh, my gosh, I, I, I so love this particular character you wrote because, and, you know, and they have all this in there. Um, and it makes a difference for them because mm-hmm. it's almost like I see you. You know, they feel like somebody saw what they've been through in a validation in a way. Um, so good for yeah. you. That's, that's amazing. Uh, and and I'm sure they were hoping for his healing as well as what a lot of the mm-hmm. input was. Yeah. Yeah. And cool. that was when, especially with him, like, kind of coming back, I didn't really know how that was going to happen until yes. writing that last book in the series. And it was just one of those where I originally had a whole different concept for how that series was going to end. And with that character, Oscar, becoming such a big part of it, completely rerouted how that, how that series all came together at the end. And it was one that I was like, ooh, like, this is not where this was supposed to have gone. I don't know <laughs> how, how people are here? react to this. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was one that the feedback I got on it was just like, yeah, like that was exactly what people were wanting and hoping for, which was really validating because, like, man, this was really kind of going off the rails from the original plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was where it needed to go, and and people really, like, responded to that. I love it. Yeah, sometimes those characters will pretty much just tell you what they want, and um, mm-hmm. We just have to keep writing. It's like, okay, take this down. <laughs> this is what I'll be doing in this chapter. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, fine. <laughs> oh, fine, hold on. Um, yeah, and it's funny because it's it's great to talk with other writers and say things like that because I've said that to people who aren't writers um, or who don't do some sort of creative outlet like that, and they look at you. Like, or should we call someone, you know, because like your characters are saying (laughs) what now? Um, Yeah. So it's like, I swear, it's just all normal stuff. I promise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's part of the process. (laughs) I promise you it is part of the process. Well, thank you so much for being here today. This was wonderful. Yeah. Oh, fun. Thank you. Absolutely. And so when uh, will you have your next book out, you think? I'm hoping next month um, I had planned to have the second part of Memories Edge done and ready to go by the beginning of February. And my master's classes just took up too much time. And uh, yeah, I just couldn't really get anything done on it over the last couple of months. So I'm hoping I can get like the last four chapters written this month, send it out to editing and have it up for readers by March or mid March, maybe at the latest. But I love it. Trying to get that. Well, one I will be watching and off my plate. Okay. I love it. Well, I will be watching that for that, and I will um, be connecting back with you again later this year to see how you're doing. And then I would love to have you come back. That sounds great. Yeah, I'd love to.
Absolutely. So for everyone who's been listening, this is I've this is Patricia W. Fisher, and I've been talking with Daisheree Gladden. All her books are available online now. Her most recent one is What Had to Be Done. Uh, you can also find her at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, and Amazon. And if you would, go to her Instagram page and look up her cute little bookmark buddies. That will help you keep your pages in your print or hardback books. Um, they are super cute. So give her a shout. And uh, like I said, all the links are in the write-up of the show as well as the link for her latest release. So thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And this is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. Please keep on reading, everybody, and stay warm. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.